0: Every verse of amazing grace, and then we shake the preacher's hand, go home into your blue jeans, have some chicken and some baked beans, take a backyard football game, not do much of anything, that's what I love about Sunday. Whoa, I was enjoying the song, forgot to come out here. That song, uh, takes me to my sister and brother-in-law, their church. They, they live in Franklin, Tennessee. And, uh, the preacher stands at the door and shakes everybody's hand. That's one of the things they really liked about the church is just the friendliness of it. But that may or may not, the song may or may not create some kind of throwback memory for you but what we're doing in this message series is we're digging into the major elements of what we do here on Sundays and we're looking at why why we do them and what's behind the things that we do singing the message the offering today this is what we're talking about and serving together first week of the series I shared a quote from an unknown source A successful Christian life involves attention to three books, God's book, the pocket book and the hymn book. And I I found this to be true, that if you really want to grow in your walk with God, if you want to get to know him better, you you need to pay attention to these three books. God's book, the Bible, that's obvious. (laughs) That's a, a no brainer. Okay, God gave us the Bible to help us get to know Him better, to learn His ways, to understand His will, and to give guidance and direction as we follow Him. Our pocketbook, however, maybe you don't see as much of a connection, but it, it really reveals, the way we handle our money reveals how much faith we have. And as you respond to God and you learn what he wants you to do in handling your finances, you're able to see God work to bless and provide. So that that's an important connection there. And then the hymn book ties our heart to God like nothing else. I I talked about this in the first message, but songs embed in our memories. And our songs on Sundays embed truth, which is what you want embedded in your mind, is the truth. And so that's one of the major reasons we sing, is to praise God, but also we we sing the truth. We take care to sing the truth so that it's the truth that gets embedded in our minds. After 29 years as a pastor... I've seen the truth of this quote. I've experienced it in my own life, and I've also experienced it in the lives of the folks I've walked with through the years. It reflects the, the, the perspective of the scripture, the guidance we find there, and especially the pocketbook. To me, early on, I didn't see the connection as much. I didn't see it as clearly as I do now. But the Lord expects his followers to grow in generosity and giving. And I I realize I'm hurting people if I don't talk about that. Sometimes it, it, you know, oh, no, another message on giving. But the, the connection to our walk with God and our understanding of reality as it relates to uh, our, our finances is, is, is real. It's dynamic. And my role as a pastor is to communicate the truth that matches reality. So that's what I've learned to do. The offering is the shortest portion of our service on Sundays. It goes by very quickly, but it reflects with laser preci- precision what, what's in our heart. And, and, you know, nobody knows. Nobody's, you know keeping score on what you do with the offering or what you put in but God knows and it it reflects you know and it reflects your heart related to him and so that's that's why this is such an important time in the service in this message we're going to look at how God wants us to respond to him in faith with our finances to plan ahead And to joyfully grow in generosity. Our theme verse for the series has been Romans 12.1. And it gives gigantic perspective that provides the umbrella under which all of our lives take place. And especially our activities here on Sunday morning. Romans 12:1 I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Notice it's an appeal. It's it's not a command. This is something we we give our lives to God. Not not out of obligation because he he doesn't obligate us to serve him. It's the way God is. But we give it, we give our lives freely. But this is the right response to all the truth about God, who he is, and how he's chosen to relate to us as we connect with him and begin to follow Christ. During the first message of the series I mentioned how this verse when you're when you read therefore in a passage of the Bible uh, one of my teachers said you need to stop and look at what it's there for and therefore relates to it's it's usually a practical ap- application of all the truth that came before it in the Bible in the passage that you're reading and so uh, it, it this, this verse, Romans 12:1, follows some gigantic truths in the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans. First of all, uh, one of the major truths is that all people are guilty before God of going our own way, living life independent of him, and really rebelling against the one who made us, which makes us guilty before him. But God has been incredibly gracious and merciful, and he has shown mercy by paying the penalty for our sin on the cross in Jesus Christ. Our grateful response, therefore, is to give our lives back to God. That's what this passage is saying. This is our our grateful response to God. To make the point that we're all guilty before God uh, in Romans 121, it really speaks to the heart of our guilt before him and spotlights what we do when we rebel against God. Romans 121 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So we are guilty before God because we aren't thankful for all that he has given us. All we have from God, our lives, our strength, anything we enjoy right now we have from God. We owe God our gratitude, but we're free not to give it. God is like this. This is how he is. Uh, Francis Schaeffer said this the beginning of man's rebellion against God was and is the lack of a thankful heart because first man and woman when they were tempted they decided that this incredible place God had created for them in which for them to live was not enough <laughs> so they they weren't content and they stepped outside of the boundaries to get what they thought they needed beyond what God had already provided. This is the beginning of our rebellion. This is the big idea. The big idea behind the offering and everything else that we do on Sundays. God has shown mercy when we deserve judgment. So we're giving back to him in gratitude. This, this is the big core principle behind what we're doing. Many important things should happen in us when we give back to the Lord uh, through the offering or really anything we do, but today we're talking about the offering. It goes by really quick, so let's think about it (laughs) as it goes by. When we give an offering, it reminds us of the one who gave us everything. David was the most famous and Legendary king of Israel, he was called a man after God's own heart. We can learn a great deal from him. At one point in his reign as king, he had he had led Israel to conquer and led them in battle. And at one moment in his reign, he was enjoying his palace. I don't, I don't know if he was sipping some some lemonade or just hanging out, enjoying the singers that he was able to hire (laughs) as his stereo equipment, whatever was going on. He was enjoying time in the mansion he had built for himself. And he realized that God did not have a temple to live in. God actually lived in a tent at the time. The tabernacle represented the presence of God. It was a tent that Israel moved with them as they marched from Egypt into the Promised Land. So he's reflecting, look at this amazing palace I've built for myself. And uh God lives in a tent. So he told the prophet Nathan that he would like to build a house for the Lord, a temple, a permanent residence uh, that would represent God's presence in the world. And this is a thread you find in Scripture. As God fears work and build their own houses and lives, God moves their hearts to give to accomplish his work and build his house in the world as well. This this is what you see. And and this is what's happening here at at Church in the Valley right now. Uh, Last June... For the first time, we established a building and expansion fund. Um, August 1st uh, represents the 29th anniversary of when Cindy and Thad and I landed here in Diamond Bar to start the congregation. So I guess this is this is the extent of our anniversary celebration this year. <laughs> Next year is kind of a big one—30. But. Um, After 29 years, it was 28 years. Last year, last June, we established a building expansion fund because it doesn't feel like it this morning, but we're, we're full up when, when everybody's here and all the kids are here. We're, we're bursting. We don't have enough classrooms for the kids. So we need space. And, and so we're, Lord laid it on my heart, confirmed it. We established this building and expansion fund last June. When we established the fund, we were $36,000 in debt. Um, today, we have $183,000 in the fund. That's quite a turnaround. That's, that's 200, I'm, I'm not great at math, but I can do the math. I believe that's $219,000 turnaround since we started it in, in June of last year. This is what God does. Our members and, and attenders and others have been moved to give to the building expansion fund. And some are giving on a regular basis over and above their tithes and offerings that they normally give. And so I'm, I'm very grateful for this, but this is something you see. You see it in David. And you see it today in God's people as we gather. We're building our lives. We're busy about doing our work and we're building our lives. We're establishing our portfolio for the future, whatever it is. But as you walk with God, he moves your heart to give beyond yourself to what he's doing in the world and to build his house, a place for us to serve him. So, God moves our hearts to give, but it's also clear in scripture, in Haggai particularly, that it's neglectful for a Christ follower to ignore God's work and house and focus on his own. So, th- this is right before us. Back to David. The prophet told David that God would not allow him to build the temple of the world, of the Lord. Uh, it would, it would be built by his son Solomon. So David took that like a man. <laughs> okay, I don't get to do it. But from that moment, when the prophet got back with him and shared with him what God intended, he began to gather the resources for building the temple. He, he, uh, he put together everything. He gave everything he was able personally to give to the building of the temple. That's what scripture says. He gave everything he could. Leaders go first. Then he asked the other leaders of Israel to give. So they're, they're all pitching in, the leaders giving. The people then followed freely from the heart and joyously gave and they amassed all the materials and everything else that would be needed to build the temple. So David is pumped at this point. I mean, he's, this is awesome. Look at what... Look at what God's done. He's moved the hearts of the leaders and the people to give to the building of the temple. And he calls an assembly of the entire nation. The entire nation gathers and he prays a prayer of dedication. And it's in this prayer of dedication that he prays in this moment that we gain a lot of perspective on the offering. And what's going on when we give it. Here's some core perspective. 1 Chronicles 29, 10-13. Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. When we give an offering... We're giving back to God what's already his. (laughs) We're, We're just giving it back to him. We're giving a portion back to him that represents the whole and the truth that it all belongs to him. Also, when we give an offering, it builds God's house and helps accomplish his work in the world. You'll you'll see that theme. We're giving back to God what's already his. You see it through this whole prayer. Check this out in, in verses 14 through 16. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you and of your own hand we have given you. So we're just giving it back for we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow. It's brief. There is no abiding. We don't, we don't stay here long. We're just moving through. It's a very brief time we have on earth. Oh, Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have uh, provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. In this prayer, David mentions the brevity of life, how short it is. And how meaningful it is to use our time here on earth, as brief as it is, to invest in something that will last. God is eternal. God's Word is eternal, you find in Scripture. That's, that's invest. So when we come together and we do the message and we get into God's Word and we begin to live it out, that, that's an eternal investment. People are eternal. People last forever. What what provides hope and meets the needs of people is an eternal investment. Helping a person come to know Christ and grow in him is an eternal investment. We were watching the opening ceremonies of the Olympics the other night. uh, Myself and family and friend. uh, And my grandkids were over. And... We were watching the Olympics, and a a collage of people came across the screen. And one of the people was Alex Morgan, who's from Diamond Bar. I actually coached her. She's on the women's soccer team. I coached her, and I taught her everything I know about soccer in about five seconds. (laughs) Kick it in the goal. That's about all I know. You just go that direction, and you try to get it in the goal. And she was really good at it, even at, I think she was five or six, somewhere in there. But I I saw her on the screen, she's in commercials, you see her, she's one of the stars. And I saw it on the screen, and I said, hey, Blake, 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 check this out. And so I'm rewinding, and I'm trying to find the spot, and I'm horrible with the remote, sometimes you need to just take it out of my hand. It's it's for for a five-year-old, it probably felt like it was taking forever to get to it. And so I get back to her, her picture, I said, hey, and I stopped it, and I said, hey, Blake, this gal right here, she's from Diamond Bar, Alex Morgan. He said, has she committed her life to Christ as boss yet? And I thought, huh. <laughs> I was making a big deal out of the fact that she's a soccer player from Diamond Bar and his question was very incisive and cut right to the heart of the matter. That's what's really important. He just asked the question. I thought, well, I'm not quite sure if she has or not. Maybe somebody will get to her and talk to her about that. But what we do here at Church in the Valley and, and what what you do when you help somebody come to Christ, it's, it's an eternal matter. It, the church pulls together resources to invest in people and God uses us together as a group to change lives. To help be a part of people turning around from going their own way to a destiny, eternal destiny without God, separated from Him, to an eternal destiny with Him. Which makes all the difference. That's what really matters. The church is eternal. Not, not the buildings that we're gonna build. That's not eternal. They crumble. But, the church. And what we're doing is going to go on forever and ever. This is this is what you find in scripture. Nothing can prevail. Jesus said nothing will prevail against the church. I mean, you you can you can blow up a church building, but you cannot touch what God is doing in and through the people who are a part of that church. We need buildings. They're tools, though. They're, They're just a tool that God wants us to use to uh, serve him as we move forward. David, in this passage I just read, the, the verses I just read, describes himself as a sojourner, a stranger, and a sojourner. Strangers and sojourners don't spend their time building and amassing material possessions for themselves. They're just passing through. This is the perspective here they see in this verse the fact is however we we give our resources to what's important to us it, it, our pocketbook reflects our values in a, in a major way so we give our resources to what matters to us as americans we we Like to spend money. I'm in on that. I can get anything I want almost on Amazon like in two days. It's awesome. You just punch the button and here it shows up. Now, I I have to control that urge (laughs) to get what I want. But we can get it. It's easy. It's accessible. It's right there. But our stuff depreciates and it gets old. It gets rusty. It falls apart. It gets moths. And then we need to get new stuff. That's, that's why these websites thrive. On the other hand, when we give to God's house and God's work, it puts the Lord in his rightful place in our lives. It reflects what really matters. We give to something that doesn't fade or depreciate. And over time, God blesses and provides enjoyment As we give, giving feeds joy. This is what you see in this passage. David, this prayer is welling up out of joy and gratitude to God for what he's done. This is this is what giving does. The generosity feeds joy. Spending feeds greed and discontent. It's a black hole. As we give more to God and his purposes, we find more fulfillment than just spending or building something that fades. Look at verse 17. I know, my God, this is continue on in the prayer. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things, and now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. David's experiencing something as they give to what God's doing. He's saying that when someone decides to give in faith without trying to leverage God, and by that I mean, God, I'm going to give this to you so you'll protect or you'll take care of me or you'll come through for me over here in the way I want you to. When someone decides to give in faith without trying to leverage God, they experience joy. There's a tremendous amount of joy in this because it's right. He's the one that made us. He's also the one that... He paid for us. He bought us when he paid for our sin on the cross through the death of Jesus Christ. But it's easy to forget that we're just traveling through. We can easily center all our energy and time and our money on building our house for our own family. And we can slide into a focus of just me and mine. This is what it's all about right here. So when we give our offerings on Sundays... It it expresses two things. It does a couple things. Just in summary, it expresses our gratitude for what God has given us. Since Sunday is a reminder that our whole life belongs to God, giving is a practical application of this. We we give a portion back to God from it from what is already His. And and the instruction in the Bible is to give a portion, a percentage, a tithe is. The instruction, which is a tenth, a tithe is a tenth. So that percentage represents the whole. So we give a percentage back to God, and that percentage represents the whole of our life that we're presenting our lives as a living sacrifice to God. So a lot's happening as the offering flows by on Sunday morning. It goes quick. We try to we try to take take care of things quickly in terms of the offering. But boy, is a lot going on in our hearts, depending on what we've decided to give. Also, all our offerings further God's work here at Church in the Valley and beyond. The church is supported by the members and attenders who give, who make it go, who make things happen. And he uses his people, this group, to move the church forward to reach into the community and throughout the world, your giving supports events that help us reach the community. It pays the rent here. Um, important things happen here on Sunday mornings, and um, it uh, it's it's important. And so, we have staff members. We have six in Diamond Bar that. Help us with training, kids' ministry, and Sunday mornings. The tithes and offerings support the administration of both our campuses and provides for our office and training space that provides training for people in our congregation and also uh, for emerging leaders at at other churches. We support a network of churches. Here's here's a picture of the website. we, We came out of Church in Hope in Fort Worth called Hope Church, in Fort Worth, and this network's building training programs and banding together to extend the kingdom throughout the world. Um, your, your giving is making a difference. We we have a faithful group, faithful congregation who gives, and it's making a difference. Here at Church in the Valley, the offering flows by, but there are other ways to give. You can use the giving envelope. You can take it home if you're not prepared to give and send it back. You can go online and give. And uh, you can give at your convenience either one time or set up a recurring gift. And then there's the offering basket as it flows by. But whatever you do, whatever way you give, whatever method you use to give, it's what's going on in your heart that really matters. And as I wrap up this morning, I want to encourage you to think through your next step. If if you're giving on a regular basis, you're giving a percentage to God and you have settled that before Him, take a moment. Your next step may be to thank God, to really honor Him and thank Him for His goodness to us. And remind yourself that... uh, you you uh, are grateful for him. The Bible commands followers to give a regular offering. If you're giving on a regular basis a full tithe, then thank God for what you're giving. It's an expression of gratitude. Remind yourself of what it is. It's an expression of gratitude for God's mercy, for life and everything he's given us to steward. If you aren't giving yet a full percentage or a full tithe, God want you to pray and consider your next step. Choose a place to start. Pick a percentage to start with to grow from there. The offering is an act of worship that can bring a great deal of joy like David and his people discovered. To experience that joy, we must give out a gratitude and keep stretching in obedience to God as he leads us. I'd like to... Wrap up the mass message by mentioning some, some next steps. They're on your handout, your listening guide, and also on the back of the connection card. My, my next step today could be to thank God. Just thank God. It's not on your list here, but just to thank Him out of gratitude for all that He's given you. And then another step would be to ask God to reveal any wrong attitudes toward giving. And then shift to His perspective, adopt His perspective. And then start giving a percentage if you haven't yet started giving a percentage. Either start giving a percentage or increase it in faith. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your kindness. And we thank you for your grace. And we want to honor you this morning above everything else that's going on. We want to bring honor and glory to your holy name. We thank you for the life you've given, for the way you've blessed us. And may our lives be given back to you as an expression of our thanks and gratitude for who you are and what you've done on our behalf. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.